this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only theaters Friday. Get tickets now. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. At 73 years of age, I calculate the sum value of my life, not by the state of my health, which is dubious at best, or how much money I've accumulated, or even the success of the books I have written, but instead upon the relationships I have with my kids and the number of regrets I harbor. I have a complete realization of my shortcomings, but I'm a decent person and spend my days building my nest egg of personal, meaningful worth before it's time to check into the retirement center in the sky. This is G.P. Gottlieb, host of New Books and Literature, a podcast channel on the New Books Network. And today I'm talking to Dan Burns, author of Grace. In the compilation of five stories and a novella, Burns explores memory and identity in a variety of settings. His characters grapple with family members, loneliness, marriage, alcohol, and death. His stories are peppered with illustrations, 26 illustrations by Chicago artist Kelly Mariansky, and poems that Burns has written and collected over the years. Hi, Dan. Thanks for joining me today. Hi, Galit. Thanks so much uh, for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So I know you've done a lot of these kind of interviews, and you're a seasoned author with a, a book or two under your belt. So let's just jump in and talk about what I thought, you can correct me, were the major themes, memory and identity. Why do these themes resonate for you? Well, it's uh, identity, I think, is something we all kind of migrate towards, gravitate towards, think about, um, and, and memory is, is kind of, it's who we are. It, it's we, we tend to dwell and, and look back, and those things are very much a part of our existence. And uh, I wanted to write about those things, uh, as well as many other themes uh, in these uh, stories in the new book. And uh, it was great fun exploring all of them. How did you decide to put these particular stories together? Well, the whole whole project was built around the novella, uh, which is called Grace. And you know, I, I spent more than two years working on that particular project. It started... Uh, based upon an experience on my way to uh, the office one day. And uh, to kind of flush it out, I, I wrote a poem that day. And uh, 
uh, that poem stuck with me and, and wouldn't leave me alone. And I developed it further into a short story and then a play for the theater. And uh, even at that point, uh, it, it still wouldn't leave me alone. So I developed it further in, into a novella. And um, I thought about you know, publishing it by itself, but I, I searched back through my files and I had these other stories that all kind of carried along this same theme of grace and, and more specifically um, reacting uh, with grace under pressure. And I was able to pick out these stories, which which really all fit very nicely to, to that thematic scenario. And, and in each of the stories, the, uh, the novella included, um, the people in the story are confronted with a particular situation that is outside the norm. And uh, the characters need to uh, go within themselves and dig deep for uh, whatever it is, strength, the wherewithal, the perseverance to overcome uh, that particular situation uh, with a certain amount of, of grace. And uh, it, it really it really came together beautifully. And I, I think all of the stories in this uh, collection uh, are, are tightly woven with that overall thematic, uh, thematic arch. Other themes, family, marriage, alcohol, death. We could take them apart one by one, or you can address them as a whole. Well, boy, yeah. I mean, you, you talk about it that way. That's a, that's an awful lot. Uh, and, but you're right, and and many of the many of those themes are in a single story, uh, and, and there's some overlap in in, in others. It's uh, again, I think the idea was well, certainly as I was writing each story, I I didn't have that grand scope of all of those themes, and you know, each story has a, a theme that it's it's focusing on, and. I don't know. In, in retrospect, after pulling it together, I, it was apparent that you know the stories were similar, and all I can say is that uh, you know wherever those ideas came from, based upon my life, my experience, what I've read, what I know, people I've talked to, uh, those were the themes that just kind of rose to the top, and I really felt that I needed to. Focus on and address, and the other thing I, I again, I, I don't know that I realized it as I was writing each individual story, but after pulling the collection together, it's it was apparent to me that these are themes that everyone can relate to, and it's probably you know the book's been out for I don't know about a month now, and it's probably the the number one comment I get back from readers in that. Uh, they can relate to the stories, that these uh, situations, these thematic uh, scenarios are very, I mean, they were personal for me when I was writing them, but it, they're very personal for people as they're reading them. They, they can relate to these characters. They're real people. They can relate to the situations that they're in because maybe that person has been in that situation or they know of a friend or family member that's been in that situation. So I, it's, it's kind of a, a 
the beautiful thing about put it, pulling a story collection together, uh, you want it to be cohesive. But I, in this particular scenario, I think it it connected it on a variety of, of different levels, um, not only thematically but realistically and practically. And 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 readers are 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 mentioning those things uh, in their feedback to me. I especially liked reading the story notes that you added at the end of the whole collection. Um, to the adage of write what you know, you've added write what you want to learn about. Can you talk about that? You know, as a person, I'm always searching for for more, whether it's uh, what else is out there? What am I missing? What else do I need to learn? And, you know, so when I'm, when I'm writing it, I'm writing based upon whatever's in my head at that particular point in time. And as I mentioned before, that's based upon my life of experiences and knowledge and whatever. But there's all these things that I realize that I don't know. And if I can, through a story, explore a topic, a scenario, a a person and their personality uh, and learn something more. I, I think that's a, a really cool thing. And I, I included that note specifically, I think it was in relation to the, the first story, the opening story, Redemption. Uh, and it, on one hand, uh, I was writing about what I know uh, because the story is, is uh, set in Montana and I've spent a, a good portion of my adult life uh venturing around uh, the state and, but the protagonist is a 73 year old uh, widowed uh, writer who is uh, kind of alone and on his own. And uh, that is not me. And I kind of wondered what it would be like to be in that person's head in his shoes, experiencing life from that perspective and so it was a it was a great learning experience to uh, based upon people I know and people I've read about and uh, everything I could gather to to put myself into uh, that character's head from that perspective and experience what he was experiencing given that predicament he was put in. It was really very very cool and a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. And not only was Montana important, but the Boulder River Valley in that story was like another character. It was a very important character, right? I, I, I think so. And, you know, there's, I've traveled through there a couple of times. Uh, it's, for me, likely one of the most beautiful parts of not only the state, but, and I'll say the, the country. And, uh, I've only been there a couple of times. I'd, I'd like to spend more time there, which is probably why I set the story particularly in that in that area because I I wanted to experience more without actually flying there and, and, and being there in, in person. Um, but it's it's very much a, a character because it's it's uh, Anson Miller who is the protagonist. It's it's where he lives and. You know, he's a, a solitary figure at, at the onset, and it's his environment that uh, he has the relationship. 
until that changes and a new a new person steps into them. And you dedicate that story to the memory of somebody you respect quite a lot. Very much so. Uh, the uh, author Jim Harrison, uh, just a, a fabulous uh, writer, poet, uh, novelist, uh, screenwriter, and and I think one of the the masters of the the novella form. And uh, yeah, I, I wrote that the story Redemption back in in two thousand sixteen after uh, uh, Jim Harrison's passing, and. Uh, you know, I read all his books and, you know, was a big fan. And, you know, I, I think not only for me, but all of everyone who has read him was probably a little bit taken aback in that, you know, he was a, albeit, you know, somewhat on the unknown side, but he was a force of nature, you know, in, in, in the writing field and in, in his life. And I, I think, you know, he'll be sorely missed. And so, you know, I, Anson Miller, who's the protagonist, is kind of, you know, in that same age and uh, situation as, you know, Jim Harrison was uh, at the time of his death. And I don't know, I I think it was a way for me to explore what it was like for Harrison and and then this character, Anson, to, to be at that age and be by yourself and be stuck in the most beautiful part of the country, arguably, and in this beautiful part in the state of Montana and you know, see what happens. And uh, again, it was, it was uh, a great experience, I think, in writing that story. And uh, it it's, kicks off the, the, uh, the collection because I, I think it's, it's likely, well, my own opinion. I think it's one of my strongest uh, stories uh, that I've ever written. One of my most personal. And uh, it, it just, it covered a lot of territory. Uh, and I think it was the first time I, you may have, you may have noticed, and I included in, in the notes as well. It was the first time I incorporated poetry into uh, any of my stories and it wasn't intentional. It, it just fit. And uh, just very quickly, I'll, I'll say, you know, Anson in the story, he's trying to write and he looks out uh, through the window at a fence post and there's a black crow there. And I'm not sure why, but that's what came up as I was writing the story. And I thought, you know, I years back, I wrote a poem called Black Crow. And I went back through my files and pulled it out and read it and uh I thought that it really fit the current scenario of the story. And, and maybe that's why, you know, subconsciously it was stuck there. And that's why Black Crow popped out as I was writing the story. But uh, I thought it was interesting. And so I included uh, the poem that I wrote, but in the story Anson Miller wrote. And uh, In addition to the poems that you included, I thought this was really interesting that you include sketches yeah, it's, uh, you know, I've been a big fan of, if you go back to the way they used to produce books, you know, a hundred years ago, uh, it was a, it was a craft. It was an art of publishing and illustrations were very much a, a part of, uh, of many books. And so, uh, this is the second, 
a book of of stories that I included illustrations on, and uh, you know, I, I met uh, this woman Kelly Mariansky over five years ago. She's a a local artist and uh, actress and performer here in Chicago, and you know, I, I met her. I got to know her work, and I decided to try her on the first story collection. It turned out fa- fabulously, and it's just this is how it works. You know, I send her the stories; she sends me the illustrations. I've never once said change that or I don't get it or that doesn't make sense. I think she just. She gets me. She understands what I'm trying to get across in in the stories, and and I think her illustrations are wonderful. It's a it's a great addition. It, it adds a different kind of layer to an approach to the storytelling, and and I think some of the, those illustrations are are right on the mark. And was, did she send you exactly the amount that you have here, or? So you accept everything she sends, or she sends more than you need? Uh, Everything that she sent me is in the book. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end... What will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. Wow. Okay. We got a more we have we have more to talk about. Let's get to the second story, the plight of Maximus Octavius Reinhold. It's about a guy whose wife threatens to claim abuse if he leaves her. So here's what's in we don't want to give away anything, but it's interesting that one of the characters who's a witness to the action is someone who appears in other stories of yours. Right. So what's going on there? So the, the character in question is uh, Sebastian Drake, and he appeared first uh, in a, a story in my first story collection, which is called No Turning Back. And then he uh, appeared two years ago in a novel called A Fine Line. And he is uh, he is just a wonderful interesting character that very simply will not leave me alone. He's, he's maybe he'll get his own book one day. Uh, you know, he's well, his, the last novel, it was his and the next novel that's uh, coming is, uh, the second in his story. So, um, okay. yeah, he's, he's been around a few times. He'll be back again. And he's, he's just a, an interesting character. He's, uh, you know, for, you know, your reader fans out there who like uh, Jack Reacher. He's not Jack Reacher, but he's kind of a combination of Jack Reacher and uh, for your TV fans, if, if any anyone has watched the series Justified, uh, Raylan Givens. Uh, so it was all okay, these... Okay, neither of those make any, <laughs> say anything to me, so... But, it was all these, but I'm sure there are people who... It was all these characters from movies and, and television and books that I've read that you know kind of morphed into my head to create this character. Okay. He is a uh, you know he is an uh, ex-government uh, secret service CIA highly trained skillful. Person. Oh, I don't think we find that out about him in this story, do we? We don't. 
He's okay. he's just so on, that's the backstory. He's just on right. his way to uh, to f- investigate uh, or to find out about a private investigation job, and he gets stopped and encounters this situation. Okay, so I'll have to read more about him because he is kind of intriguing. But the one story that I I read this last week, and I'm still thinking about hardwired, brilliant story about a dying man who's had a full life. And I, of course, we don't want to talk more too much about it, but I wondered why you chose Ireland as the place where advanced technology is applied. I read that you, in your notes, that you had just taken your family for a vacation to Ireland. But the way this all is set up is really interesting. Yeah, I mean, certainly the fact that we had just uh, returned from the trip there had an influence. Uh, I don't, if you, if you, have you ever been to Ireland? Nope. What a beautiful country, and uh, you know, it, it certainly left its impression on me, uh, and I'll say my family as well. So it, it was fresh in my mind, and the images of the places we visited were were still vivid in my memory. And, mm. uh, it just, you know, it seemed natural. It, it had to be someplace far away that where it had happened. And it just seemed to, to make an awful lot of sense. Plus because it was so fresh, I could write about it uh, so that it was believable. You know, it's, it's hard to write about mm-hmm. places that you haven't been to. Um, conversely, it, it's much easier when it's, uh, coming back off a fresh visit. And I, I think it's, yeah. you know, readers may not feel that that's necessarily where one might go for that uh, technological uh, innovation. Um, but mm-hmm. the, the, I think the more interesting point was, you know, how it happened and why he was there in the first place and, uh, why he felt it necessary to go back there towards, you know, the. Uh... Of course, that is, but we don't want to give away anything. Let's go on to the next story, Adrift at Sea. How much was this story about a man running away from something as opposed to running towards something? Hey, that's a, you know, that's a great question and a, a great insight. Um, I, it's, I, it's both. You know, I mean, ultimately, he is out in search of uh, her, as I refer to her in the story, his muse, which is, you know, the sea is the metaphor for uh, what he is searching for, because it's it's only when he is off land at sea that, you know, he's really able to find out about himself and explore himself and explore his writing and when he's on land, he, he feels stuck. So, you know, the story opens where he's on land ready to embark on, you know, his first journey. And I had, you know, it was a very different story in a telling approach. I don't know if, if you felt that as, as you were reading it. Um, it started as a, a prose poem. And I, I think it, I mean, it, it's really still that. And the, the approach is a bit different than that you're, incorporates a lot more symbolism and, and the unique selection of uh, of words to uh, to convey 
you know, what this individual is going through. And uh, it started off as a, you know, a short, you know, one section piece. And it ended up being, you know, I would go into my office, you know, day after day. And it was like he was sharing with me his journal entry for, you know, the last day. It was like an Odysseus story without the concept of going home. Right. He was on this. uh, So that was what made it different. Wasn't what one would expect from somebody going on a journey of that sort. None of your stories end the way anybody thinks they're going to end. Let's just say that. Would you agree? I I like that. Okay. And I, I, I'm glad you said that. Uh, I, and maybe that, maybe that will uh, come across to certain readers that, they didn't. They weren't able to figure it out or uh, know exactly how it was going to end. But I think that's that's okay. Um, you know, very often when I when I'm writing a story, I I try and know how the story starts and and how it ends. But you know, after journeying myself through that story, the uh, the goalposts move sometimes, and the the end changes, and you know, oftentimes. I'm surprised with uh, how how the story ends. Um, well, we'll probably talk about the novella Grace, but that was certainly the case with that story. Um, I got to the end; this character walked in. Uh, oh my goodness! You know, I'm not sure what transpired after I was done writing, but uh, I was surprised and exhilarated. And um, so sometimes I'm not sure it, it ends the way it it was intended for me. But if if anything, if I can leave the reader with a sense of resolution, but then also thinking, hmm, what's next? Uh, I think that's I think that's a good thing. So about Grace, it really is written as if I could see it being performed on a stage. It takes place in two specific locations, and there's specific characters. Other stories you have, the, you know, the great. Uh, west, different parts of the world, but this is this takes place indoors. I, I see it as a play. What's happening? I see it as a play too, and uh, I'm hoping that I'll be able to talk to you again at uh, some point in the near future to to tell you about it being staged uh, at a Chicago theater. Ooh. Oh, you know um, what? I realized we forgot to mention the final countdown, which is a futuristic dystopian community that. I totally didn't see how that was going to be. It was very disturbing, but also very, there were sweet moments. Yeah, it's a, you know, I think it's a tender and genuine, you know, love story between a, you know, young boy and his grandfather. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we don't want to give anything away, but that's really what that story is about. And, you know, even, even at the end of the story, I, I think the young boy is envisioning, you know, how he will, you know, interact with his grandfather in the future. And- you know, in several of the stories, someone gets punched in the nose or there's some kind of physical violence, which isn't something that many of us are used to. But I'm wondering, did that happen to you or is it something that interests you in some way? Getting punched in the nose? Yeah, physical violence. Were you a were you a 
a boxer? Are you a kickboxer? Do you practice some kind of martial art? Is punching in the nose in your life? It is not. <laughs> okay. I, I, I do not. I do not punch. Uh, I uh, fortunately, I've not been involved in in any violence. Um, however, you know, I mean, we are all bombarded with it every day. You know, in the news and the media, it's it's happening all around us. So that you know, it happening in a story is. I don't feel it's it's unusual. Um, but I, I guess, I guess you're right there. I mean, a few of the stories have some type of, uh, those shenanigans going on and, and certainly in the, in the novella, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's kind of an issue, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It's a, that's a great question. It, it wasn't intentional and it's not because I think about it a lot or it, it's part of my life, but it just seemed to fit the story. It's, a, it's just a very jarring, it's very jarring to read about a character being pummeled or hurting another human being in that very immediate way, especially with a punch in the nose. There's, there's something being said there. It's, a, it's very personal. It's not an impersonal kick in the pants. Well, the punch in the nose, you're, I think you're referring to the plight of Maximus Octavius Reinhold, that, that story? Um, a punching in the face. There's a lot also in Grace. There's physical uh, faces are involved. Sure, sure. Yeah. But you mentioned the punch in the nose, and I, it is very personal. And in, in the plight of Maximus Octavius Reinhold, you know, the person who does the punching, I think readers will find it's very surprising. Oh, and yeah. It was, it was a personal. I mean, the punch could have been to the, you know, to the gut or anywhere else, but no, the, it had to be the nose because that's what that character felt mm-hmm. the, the need for, and uh, plus, you know, I mean, the person received it. I mean, that's the last thing you wanted to have happen is for that person to get punched in the nose, but maybe she, oops, maybe the character deserved it or I don't know. So, so Dan, what's next for you? What are you working on these days? Well, there's, there's, uh, there's so much, uh, which, uh, one of the exciting things about, you know, being a writer, you're, you know, you're, uh, trying to market and sell and, push the last one and you're thinking about the next one and the one after that, uh, you know, I've, I've been taking to, to poetry over the last five years. I, I've been reading a lot of poetry and writing a lot of poetry and, uh, I've put a, a sizable collection together that I'm still working on, but I'd hope to, I hope to publish a, a collection of poetry, uh, in the near future. Uh, the one story that we talked about already, which was the final countdown, you know, normally I, I, you know, I get an idea, which is just a kind of a nugget and I build upon it over time. And, you know, that in one respect, that story is that, but, you know, I thought about that predicament for that story in a much grander scheme. And anyway, that, that story is, is really kind of the start of a much 
broader, uh, bigger novel uh, that's going to be called Elder World, and that uh, will be coming out uh, in 2021. Oh, good, because one can't help wonder what happens to all the elderly people. All the elderly people and and, uh, Douglas, you know, the young boy. We need to see uh, how his life evolves over time and uh, if it all turns out or if it goes horribly, horribly wrong, the, which is kind of the direction uh, we're left at at the end of the story. And then, as I mentioned, uh, the, the second installment of the uh, Sebastian Drake uh, mystery series uh, I'm working on as well. So, uh, it's called The Perfect Circle, and uh, I think readers are going to see it as a fantastic follow-up to uh, his last adventure in uh, the book titled A Fine Line. Wow. You've got a lot on your plate, and I will look forward to reading the next thing that comes out from you. You're also involved in the Chicago writing scene? I am. Uh, it's, it's a huge scene, you know. Writers think you know they have to be in New York or elsewhere to to get noticed or get involved in in the, the writing scene. And I think uh, what's going on in Chicago is exciting and huge. And I'm on the board of uh, the Chicago Writers Association, which is a fantastic organization, uh, one thousand members strong and growing. And our our goal is to support the writer. And in whatever phase of that writing process they're in and share experiences and provide education and events to allow the writer to get out of the office, out of that solitary environment and engage with with other like-minded writers uh, to share experiences and Mm -hmm. uh, create a, a better social environment. And in case people around the country and world are listening to this, is this only for people who live in the city of Chicago? It's not. We have uh, members uh, worldwide. And so it's uh, a majority of our uh, member benefits and offerings are available uh, virtually and through our website and through other uh, social mediums, platforms. So uh, check it out. The... uh, website is chicagorights.org. Thank you so much for joining me today, Dan. Happy writing. Thank you so much for having me. I uh, look forward to talking to you again soon.